Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at Mike Roth at Roth consulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth. I'm here today with Mike Lam, president of Cincinnati Time. Thanks for joining us, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Pleasure to be here. Good. Uh, before we get started, let me tell our, our listeners who is going to be on uh, on Friday. We have Jeff Betts from Landmark Insurance Agency. And next week on Thursday, we have Michael Deku from Handyman Services in Columbus. That's Columbus, Ohio. And then we're going to have on Friday, Bob Jutsey, a reformed lawyer, who now publishes a series of books called Senior Impact for Senior Citizens. And uh, in the future weeks, we'll have Ryan Walker from Differential and Steve Kemba from... Uh, the Ember Cincinnati Credit Union. Let's see. Events coming up. September 19th, we have the next Cincinnati chapter of Tip Club. I'm the sponsor of Tip Club. It will meet here at our training center. We'll hear a little bit from uh, Jimmy Fox in a moment or two. And on the 10th of, I'm sorry, the 16th of October, we're going to have the second in our series on of business builders at the Clovernook Country Club here in Cincinnati. That program is called the Seven Deadly Sins of Sales. If you're interested in uh, that program or information about Tip Club, you can call the office uh, 513-753-9400 and ask for Carmen to make a reservation. Okay, let's talk to Mike about... How you got here? Uh, well, a little bit on the bio of Mike Lamb. Graduate of Xavier University in 1990 with a BS in uh, management and marketing. You can jump in here, Mike, if I make a mistake. Uh, after college, you, you became a sales manager for a value-added software company. And then you wound up working for Performance Associates, an HR employee leasing company. And uh, you joined President's Club when you didn't have a job, the way I remember it. And uh, you came to a trade show someplace up, up on the west side of town to, to help me out and man the table. And you said, I'm here to look for a job. I left the table and found the president of a company called Cincinnati Time. I told him I had a great salesperson. And the two of you hit it off. Uh, you were hired on as a salesperson. Uh, then came a sales manager there a year later then a partner, then an owner, all in a period of about three years. That's right. Pretty good success story. It, it is a nice story. Uh, um, uh, just to clarify a couple of things, I I, I was uh, um, working as a evaluated reseller for, for many years and was actually a sales manager prior to graduating from college. Uh, so I had a lot of experience in the software industry. And when 
I, I found myself in kind of an untenable situation there. So I was looking for different op- opportunities, and certainly the employee leasing business at that time seemed like a very good opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an in- interesting transition with an interesting company, uh, but I, I wasn't succeeding at it. And that's when I decided to come to you and kind of relearn things because prior to doing that, like a lot of young people, I felt like I knew everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a good experience. And I was introduced to the president of Cincinnati Time Systems. We did hit it off primarily because personalities aside, um, the company met the criteria that I was looking for. Um, it was a company where the owner was successful. He was successful in the industry. He was a hard worker and he was committed to the industry. It also had name recognition as, as an organization, so we wouldn't find ourselves constantly saying who was Cincinnati Time. Mm-hmm. Um, those were the criteria I set up, and I was I was uh, very pleased to join the organization, and it's been it's been a great ride ever since. Good. Uh, how many years ago was that that you joined Cincinnati Time? I, I joined in December of, of 1993. That's a long time ago. It's been 20 years. 20 years. Wow. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about Cincinnati Time? Uh, as, as the company uh, progressed from 1993 over the last 20 years to today? Sure. 1993 was a pivotal year for Cincinnati Time Systems. Um, at that point, we'd gone independent of the manufacturer. Um, Amano acquired the old Cincinnati Time Recorder Company. We went independent, which gave us some freedom to pick what products we wanted to work with, which vendors we wanted to work with, et cetera, um, even which markets we wanted to go after. So I joined at just the right time. We were making the transition from what was more of a traditional time clock business into systems, which was my background, into software. Um, so we effectively made the transition from time clocks, keeping track of employee hours, to what is what are now very sophisticated systems that do everything from accruals to no-fault attendance programs to compliance with complicated gover- uh, government rules and regulations to, of course, time and attendance and keeping track of people's labor hours. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of remember Cincinnati Time being on every parking gate in town. That was one of one of the early challenges. We were in that business for a number of years, um, and we found it challenging. It's a, it's a difficult business. We made the decision probably seven or eight years ago uh, to exit that business and focus in t- on time and labor management, focus where really our talent lied, which is a, was in the software business. Mm-hmm. So you completely got out of the... That's right. We actually, we actually sold that to Amano. Really? Good. Uh, how do you go to market? It's kind of a combination of factors. Um, we rely very heavily on relationships. Um, we have found that it's it's much better to be brought into a situation than to try to actively go out and solicit new business. So we partner with, with people all around the human capital industry, um, certainly payroll companies, employee leasing companies, um, other evaluated resellers providing complimentary services. Uh, we work those relationships very hard. We, we try to be the best possible partner for them. And if we can do our job being a very good partner for them, making sure that they're happy they brought us into accounts, then they, in turn, will be glad to, glad to make sure that, 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 that we get those opportunities. So that would be like strategic alliances. Exactly. Good. Uh, Perhaps you want to share with our listeners some of the, the rules you have for strategic alliances, because that's one of the most difficult things for most people in sales and most company owners to set up. I think the first rule is to understand that you have two customers in every transaction. You have the alliance, the people that brought you in, and you have the, the end user. And it's your job to make sure that both of them are happy. So that's the number one rule. Um, the other thing that, that we've learned over time, sometimes the hard way, 
is that you never want to get in between the company management and the salespeople. So if you're in a position where you want to offer some kind of incentive to the salespeople to bring you in to their customers, make sure you clear that with top management before you take it any further. Otherwise, they can perceive that there's a conflict and they're serving your interests instead of their own, and they will not support the relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, do you actually do that on a regular basis? Or for SPIFs to the alliance partners, salespeople? What we try to do is balance the relationship. So if we can bring them into our customers at the same time that they're bringing them in, um, us into that, theirs, everybody's happy. Everybody gets what they want. Sometimes we find that it becomes too lopsided. Um, usually if it's lopsided, it seems like we're the beneficiaries. In that case, we feel like it's appropriate to offer some kind of incentive for them to, to trust us to bring us into their customers. Uh, can you give us an example of a really good strategic alliance that you've had for years? We have a company out of Atlanta that we work with for many years now. That um, they are a business process organization. They do more than than just provide services for clients. They really come in and they take over as their outsourced payroll department, outsourced human resource department. Uh, they work with primarily very large accounts, um, over a thousand employees. So we are a partner with them now. It's gotten to the point where they're so sophisticated as an organization. They don't. They don't even need us to sell the product. They bring us in to confirm certain issues, but they're doing the bulk of the work from that perspective. And as such, they get our absolute top level of service and support. And uh, we we try to make sure that their customers get the best possible pricing, so that it's a real value for them to bring us into the relationship. Uh, can you tell us, uh, our listeners, a little bit more about your products? Uh, are they software as a service? They are software as a service, and we actually were were. Um, Pretty early in making that transition, um, we our primary vendor is a company called Novatime Technology out of California. Uh, we have been their top software as a service partner since they started working with the product and have been honored as such for, for the last four years. Um, and for those of you who are not familiar with software uh, as a service, it really is kind of a win-win for everyone. Instead of purchasing licensed software where you put in your environment on your servers, you're actually accessing the software through the internet and you're paying for utilization like you would any any other utility. So you're paying in our case we charge by by employee. Um so we're pay, you're paying a set fee per employee per month as opposed to having the uncertainty that goes with managing your own servers, having your own IT environment, buying the software, paying for uh license fees and support fees every year, um plus any other incidentals that, that may come up. We consider this kind of a one-source solution. So it's the model is we like to refer to as software for life. Software for life, it's provisioned over the web in the cloud. Correct, which means you don't worry about security, you don't worry about data backup, um, you don't worry about, about downtime because the, the software is housed in a data center um, that, of course, is gone through the proper audit and certifications it's a, it's a big responsibility on the part of the vendor. And this is why I think it's such a win-win for everybody. The software developer has the advantage of, of really just managing the server. So then essentially they have they have what comes out, or the server farms, excuse me. They, they really have one area where they're going to update the software. The clients benefit because they're paying for utilization. They're paying it as, as they go. It's often more affordable. They don't have to worry about IT costs. For us, supporting the the application, it's certainly preferable. We don't need to, to have backups of data to try to replicate 
um, problems. We don't need to worry about what the environment's like because the environment is identical for all of our clients. Um, we're able to deliver much faster so service. We're able to keep the software. So it doesn't matter whether someone is using uh, the latest Windows uh, 8 or a Mac? That is correct. It is it is, it is browser independent. Um, so it, those things really become less important. The hardware becomes much less important and a variable that we can kind of take out of the equation. Mm -hmm. So the, the end user no longer has to worry about annual license fees, annual upgrades, that's right. The software up updates. The software is updated far more frequently because the vendor receives much more input. Um, that's part of what makes this work so well. Um, and combined with our model, which is unlimited training or retraining of personnel, as long as you're a client of ours, it makes it so that you have no real, no additional expenses. Mm -hmm. How do you actually do the training? It's a, that's an interesting question because that's changed quite a bit over the years. It used to be we, we have a training classroom in our in our uh, Westchester, Ohio facility. Um, we probably used that training classroom when we first moved in there over 12 years ago, probably a, about 12 days a month. Mm -hmm. Now, so much of our training is web-based. Um, so many of our clients like the convenience of being trained at their office, and so many of our clients are no longer local. They're, they're really all over the country that we're finding that we'll, we'll train on the web. We've done a lot of, of uh, um, very well-produced videos that people can access through our web, website to reinforce the training. Um, it's still one-on-one. -on -one. We still feel like there's a really high value on the trainer interacting with, with a um with the customer, but supplemented with, with the video training, it, it really makes the experience much better for the user, and they, they seem to be able to grasp these increasingly sophisticated systems more easily. Mike, we're going to take a, a short commercial break here, and we're going to hear from Jimmy Fox of Tip Club. I'm Jimmy Fox of Tip Club. Tip Club is a professional networking organization whose members help each other succeed. We meet once per month and provide a forum where business-to-business -business professionals are able to connect with more desirable opportunities and build long-term strategic partnerships. I'm inviting Cincinnati Business Talk listeners to come to our free networking event. You'll have the opportunity to meet new people, share leads and referrals, and grow your business through strategic alliances. Membership in our Cincinnati group is open to only one person per specific trade or occupation. Business-to-business -business professionals only, please. We do not accept multi-level marketing or recruiting-driven memberships. This is our only group in Cincinnati. We'll meet on the third Thursday of the month from 7.30 to 9 a.m. at Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, 4357 Ferguson Drive, Cincinnati, Ohio. To reserve a seat please go to www.tipclub.com and click on the Events tab at the top of the page. Then, just scroll down the list until you come to the Cincinnati event. Or you may call 800-798-0270. That's 1-800-798-0270. Thank you, and we look forward to seeing you at our next networking event. This 
Mike Roth. I'm back with Mike Lamb. So, Mike, you have online training for your clients. Uh, tell us about your salespeople. Do you have any salespeople? Uh, yes, we do have salespeople, we, and they um, are very active. They they work very hard. Are they all based here in Cincinnati, or are you based all over the country? They they are based in Cincinnati. Yes. Mm-hmm. How many do you have now? Uh, I have two salespeople. Um, and we've been able to grow with that primarily because of those strategic relationships we've been able to form, and they, they help out quite a bit with those relationships as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the marketplace, what do you see as the uh, opportunities and possibilities? Some of the opportunities are kind of what, what you might consider um, counter to traditional business. Government complexity in this business is our friend. Um what we're seeing with things like the Affordable Care Act, there's a lot more sophisticated reporting required to make sure that companies are compliant. We do the, that reporting. Uh, this administration has been a lot more active when it comes to enforcement, particularly in wage and hour laws. So we're we're seeing compliance issues being extremely important for business. Mike, what do you think the long-term opportunities are for your company? I think... We've got several opportunities in front of us, and most of them have to do with, with the human capital management space. Um, we're constantly looking for additional applications that we can provide to our clients to help them solve their business problems. So we're looking at, at things now um, like lead management um, uh, and other types of HR functions that we can help businesses with. So I think there's plenty of opportunity out there. Okay. Is your software uh, exclusively in that area of time recording? The boundaries have really changed for all of this software. Tell us about the boundaries. Let's take a, a, a typical business function, um, pay time off, or what people call accruals. Oftentimes, that was considered a payroll function. We've been doing it for quite a few years within, within the time and labor management systems. So where it's done is really less important then that is done correctly and that the employee has access to that information. So we do a lot with accruals and we do a lot with employee self-service. So that's an example of... Employee self-service means? The employee actually has access to their information. Instead of picking up the phone and calling someone in the human resource or the payroll department to find out how much paid time off they have, they can actually access their computer with your permission, with the employee's permission from home, from work, from wherever you want to designate. And they can look up everything from what their attendance history has been to how many uh, paid time off hours they have coming uh, to what their schedules are. Okay. Do you see any obstacles in, in your path of growth? I do see some obstacles. Um, just like, like any other businesses, we're seeing competitors spring up in areas that we didn't traditionally see them. Um, this is perceived as a horizontal market because every business with employees needs some way of keeping track of those employees. A lot of our competitors out there have been acquired by companies that are offering bundled solutions. We understand that. We appreciate that. But we feel like we bring a more competitive product to the, to the, to the marketplace, and we feel like we bring a level of expertise that a competitor bring, bring a combined system doesn't bring. Mm-hmm. Can you give me an example of that? Oftentimes, uh, payroll companies will offer time and labor management as an add-on package. And the story they're telling is that it's one system doing all things. And 
That isn't always the case. Number one and number, number two, these applications on their own are getting so sophisticated that it really helps to have the focus on, on the product and the marketplace and the understanding of the in-depth rules, in-depth functions required. The other thing that I feel like is an advantage for us is we give people more flexibility. If they want to switch their provider of other services, whether that's payroll, HR, um, other human capital management products, talent management, uh, uh, applicant tracking, they can do that and still retain their time in labor labor management system. Okay, so they're not trapped. Exactly. Okay, good. Uh, that's an important advantage. Do you guys have a long-term strategic plan at Cincinnati Time? We think more mid-term than long-term, as as Mike, as I'm sure you know, in the technology. I'm glad you said it that way. <laughs> in the technology business, um, long-term is never long-term. Uh, we like to tell people uh, when we work on their long-term plan with them that if we get to two years, we've done a good job, and we're going to revise it every six months. Yeah, exactly. You got to constantly monitor, see what's going on internally and externally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think? your existing clients are looking for or prospects are looking for right now? I think first and foremost is customer service. We live in an age where the focus on customer service has really gone away. Mm -hmm. Um, So we feel that that's another thing that we bring to the marketplace. You haven't outsourced customer service to the Philippines yet? We haven't outsourced customer service. and um, You talk to real Americans? Absolutely. The the thing that... that, that, um, we're very proud of is is our lack of turnover. We really value the individuals we have working um, for us, and we we know that our customers enjoy talking to people that are competent, first and foremost, that can solve their business problem. Since you have a an internet based uh, or cloud based system, uh, why don't you tell our, our listeners what you're what you're doing to promote your own business on the internet? Well, we we have a website, uh, CincinnatiTime dot com. Mm-hmm. How do they contact you? Uh, they can contact me directly. Mm-hmm. Uh, my email address is mlom, L-A-H-M, at cincinnatitime.com. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to use the telephone if they're old-fashioned. They are absolutely welcome to do so. Um, our 800 number is 800-454-TIME, 8463. And they can call there. There's a directory online, or they can dial me directly at extension 102. Okay, good. And... When you uh, are you doing what I meant by the internet is are you doing anything on the internet to cause your company to rank high in Google's generic search? Um, that is an enigma. We are doing we are we are doing a fair amount of, uh, um, of Google AdWords. Mm-hmm. Um, we are trying to constantly update the co- the content on our website mm-hmm. to help with search. Mm-hmm. Um, we have done some optimization, um, but that's one of those things that you can't do a little of, and you have to do it constantly, and, and we have not been very consistent mm-hmm. on how we've done our optimization. So it sounds like you're uh, you're doing it in-house. I mean, we've contracted for with other services, um, but this is definitely in the category of opportunities for us. In other words, you weren't happy with the services that you used. Or we didn't use them consistently enough. Didn't use them consistently. Enough. Right. You know, as you know, with a website, it's a constant venture. So you've got you've got to allocate the resources to do that. 
as a company, you've got to decide where, where do you want to put your resources. Uh, does the web actually bring new prospects to your sales team? Not as much as other other uh, avenues do. And that could be the way we're utilizing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've done very, very little in terms of, of uh, um, social media. Mm-hmm. So we're evaluating that now to try to see if that would help. Um, I have not seen successful models in our industry, but I have seen a lot more people try. Mm-hmm. No, a lot of money is being spent. We we had a couple of uh, people from the industry on the radio show. We had uh, Ken Saunders from Search Engine Experts, and there certainly seems to be a lot of things companies can do. We have a, a high tech company here. Uh, it's a client that spends, I want to say, twenty thousand dollars a month on uh, Google AdWords. Easy to do, and yeah. brings in eighty thousand dollars a month worth of revenue. We would be happy with those numbers. Yeah. He doesn't have any salespeople. In fact, they don't even answer the phone. You can only text them, send them an email. This is a different world we live in. His clientele are are primarily younger than 30 years of age. It's an interesting business. Um, Why don't we just take a a short break here, and we're going to listen to a San LaRule. Let's listen to San LaRule number 25. I'm Roger Wentworth with Sandler Training, and I want to talk to you today about rule number 25. If you want to know the future, bring it back to the present. You see, it's a common scenario that prospects ask us to do some work prior to really engaging with us. It might be groundwork, it might be an estimate with some solutions, it might be a site survey, it might be a working diagram with some detailed analysis of how we're going to solve their problems. And in our eagerness to please them, we jump at the chance because it allows us to show our expertise. The problem is, we don't really know what's going to happen next. You see, your prospects want to know what you know without making any commitment to you whatsoever. And the typical salesperson is willing to do that. That's when they become an unpaid consultant. So if you want to know the future, bring it back to the present. When they ask you to do one of these bits of work, play the let's pretend game. It sounds like this. Okay, Bob, let's pretend we do that. And our solution fits everything you need, and it really works well for you. What happens next? Now, as a side note, make sure you define everything. But when you ask this question, what happens next? Watch your prospect closely because what they're about to do is to tell the future. The rule is, if you want to know the future, bring it back to the present. This is Mike Roth and Mike Lamb. We're back, and Mike, we have a simple rule here that at Mike, we have a simple rule. Simple solutions to complex problems are invariably wrong. Therefore, if you want to solve a complex problem, you need to use a complex solution. Perhaps you could share with our audience a complex problem that you ran into over the last 20 years and the equally complex solution you used that might be applicable in another business or another industry. Thank you, Mike. This is a fairly recent one, so the the wounds are still healing, as they say. And like a lot of complex problems, this one was primarily self-induced. 
but I, I, I'll be glad to share it with you. Um, I have a very good relationship with our, our primary software partner. It's been a great relationship since they've been in existence in 2000. For many years, the owner of that company has asked me to join him and help grow his organization um, and work with his ch- his channel partners to try to help them grow their organizations. It seemed like after about 17 and a half years doing this, that it would be a welcome change. Mm-hmm. So I, I turned over a lot of the day-to-day responsibilities to a very capable person with our organization, and a lot of our people really stepped up. So that part of it was a really positive experience. It was actually great to see how well our people were able to do without my hands-on day-to-day leadership. Um, conversely, it, it was a challenge for me. I put myself kind of in a difficult situation. Here I was essentially as a consultant but working for a, a different company. And at some point, as is often the case, there are going to be interests that diverge. And I felt like I had a solid enough background to handle that well to make sure that when they did diverge, I could be objective um, and put the greater greater interest at heart. But that was difficult because there were times I was making decisions that may benefit the software developer as a whole and even the channel as a whole, but wasn't the most positive thing for Cincinnati Time Systems. Mm. So the solution in this case wasn't as complex as it might be. Um, I made sure that while the the, the um, relationship with this wonderful business partner was still intact, that we were able to separate. Mm. It was difficult to come back to Cincinnati Time Systems on a full-time basis and take particularly the one individual who I, who I um, had given a lot of control to and say, I'm back now. But he did understand that when I took the position that there would be a, an end to it at some point. Mm-hmm. It was just a question of when. So how, how long were you actually, did you actually step out? For two years. Long time. It's a long time. Mm-hmm. And you've been back now for how long? I came back May 1st, so it's it's been a relatively short time. Okay, good. And the, the lesson learned for our listeners would be? I think it's to maintain focus on your business and make sure that your business and the people that work with you come first. Mm-hmm. That's good. A long time ago, there was this movie City Slickers with Billy Crystal and Jack Palance. Great movie. And I remember the scene that... Billy Crystal and Jack Palance are uh, riding on the wagon, and Billy Crystal says to Palance, what's the meaning of life? And Palance looks at him, doesn't say a word, and holds up one finger. And Billy Crystal goes crazy the way he does and says, what does that mean? What does that one mean? And finally, Palance says, it means be the best thing at one thing in life. I'm the world's best cowboy. What are you? And so many of I've seen that. So many times in the last uh, 25 years in Sandler, where a business owner gets distracted by multiple businesses, a financial services advisor buys rental units and then attempts to manage them himself. That's a perfect example. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I had lunch with a guy today, uh, a client who uh, sells services, and I said, what are you doing this afternoon? Who are you going to see? He says, I'm not seeing anybody. I'm getting in my car, getting my, my lawnmower, and I'm mowing five lawns. This is a $100,000 a year sales guy. So why are you mowing five lawns? He says, these are my five rental properties. 
And I'm thinking, wow. What's it cost? Yeah. What's it costing him to mow those five lawns? And versus what is he making on the rental yeah. properties versus what would he make if he deployed his assets, his brain power, into the business of selling, either for the company he was working for or somebody else. Because that, that, he's a really good salesperson and probably only an okay lawnmower. I don't know how he uses a landlord. Okay. Looks like we have time for another question in this segment. Mike, why don't you give our listeners a leadership tip? You've been a, you've been leading people as both a sales manager and company owner now for over 20 years. Maybe you can think of one or two leadership tips, things that you could tell other leaders they need to do for their people or themselves. One thing I firmly believe in is it's, it's being a values-driven organization and sharing those values with the people that are responsible for helping you and the organization attain those. For our organization, it's simple. We always want to be an organization that we'd be proud to work for, and we'd always want to be an organization that we'd be glad to be a customer of. By sharing those two standards with with all the people in our organization, they can make decisions without me. They know that whatever they do, as long as it meets those criteria, as long as it is their decision reinforces that this is a company they'd be proud to work for and that this is a company they'd be happy to be a customer of, they'll always be supported. And what that's done is really give them a measure of independence. So I think that's probably the number one thing I, w- I would share with, with the listeners. How long have you had that philosophy? I think it's really been a, been a part of, of uh, this organization since I took ownership about 17 years ago. Mm-hmm. That was really unique. I've heard a lot of leadership tips. That was good. Thank you. That's going to make the leadership real. <laughs> uh you know, in, in your career, you, you learn from very good, and often you learn more from very bad managers. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things I think I learned from a very bad manager, not to not to do what he was doing and to make sure that, that um, people were able to operate independently. Mm-hmm. You know, you're right. You do learn from both good and bad managers. And once upon a time, I had a, a bad manager. And I learned a lot of things from Frank. And one thing that stuck me stuck with me for my whole almost my whole sales career was always return people's telephone calls. It's a starting point for communication, isn't it? Reliability, for reliability, yeah. honesty, integrity, and professionalism. And I remember him verbally beating me up about that at a Christmas party one year. And I said, "Man, I will always return yeah. calls." Now, in, in my world, it's interesting because I'll get calls back from CEOs, sometimes 6 o'clock, sometimes even 7 o'clock. I got a call this morning at, uh, I think, 6.30 in the morning from a guy telling me he was going to be late. CEO type had that honesty and integrity built into his head. That's the type of people that you want to do business with. And, and that's what that's what builds, builds customer loyalty. Mm-hmm. Yes. Good. Let's take a uh, another short commercial break. We'll listen to a couple of Sandler commercials, and then we'll be right back. Imagine you just left your prospect's office, and he now has your proposal, quote, or estimate. What do you suppose he's going to do with that valuable information that you just gave him for free? Call you tomorrow with an order? Get real! He's shopping it around to the competition. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Roth & Associates. I'm the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. I'm constantly amazed how salespeople operate. They believe a prospect asking for a proposal means the sale is as good as closed. 
Face it, trained prospects will turn you into an unpaid consultant. For over 20 years, we've been coaching, training, and challenging professionals who are 100% committed to long-term sales growth and profitability, no matter what it takes. If you're deadly serious about increasing sales, call me at 513-646-6523. Find out how Sandler Training can make you better, faster, and stronger. Or register now for our next open house, 513-646-6523. This is Mike Roth, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. You've heard our commercials about sales and sales management, but you haven't made the call for some reason. Maybe you're having your best year ever. Maybe you think a sales development company won't work in your industry. You're different. I wish I had a nickel for every time I heard that. Maybe you're afraid that if you called, you'd buy something. If you're happy with all your sales and profits and believe you have all the answers or simply don't see yourself investing in yourself or your people, then don't make the call. We have nothing for you. For over 20 years, we've been coaching, mentoring, business owners, and sales professionals who are serious about their careers. So if you believe that Sandler Sales Training might make you better, faster, meaner, and stronger, call me at 513-646-6523 or register for our next open house. Roth & Associates, the most experienced sales trainer in Cincinnati. You can check us at www.rothconsulting.net. This is Mike Roth and Mike Lamb from Cincinnati Time. Let's start here, Mike. What motivates you to make tough business decisions? I think I think I, le- I learned this early on. Um, make the tough decisions first. Do the tough work first. Make the tough phone calls first. Um, and I still have a tendency to look at the tasks in front of me, prior- prioritize them in terms of what's important. And then I make every effort to make the to the toughest one first. Mm-hmm. Are you the type of guy that has a, a to do list every day? Yes, uh, I have a to do list, and, and it's at this point it's highly automated. Mm-hmm. Um, so it keeps me organized and, and, and make sure that I am focusing on the things that are out there and not just responding. I think that's another mistake that a lot of managers, in particular, do, particularly business owners, is have their email up all the time so that they're constantly in reaction mode. Because it's easier sometimes to be reactive than it is to be proactive and work towards something. So I've been trying to be more and more Remember disciplined. Here at Sandler, we, we don't try. We either do or do not. Well, I've, I've become increasingly better at uh, checking email still regularly but not having it up on the screen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a good recommendation. Uh, a lot of people check it twice a day. You know, once at the beginning of the day, maybe three times a day, once at lunchtime, and once at the end of the day. What I found, and I don't know if it's if it's because we're in technology, but um, more and more people are relying on, on email as a form of communication, even more so than the telephone. Mm-hmm. There are times when it's it's um, the wrong vehicle for communicating a lot. The medium of is, is, is really flat in terms of tonality and... We had an interesting experience here last week. last week. It was not a pleasant experience, but uh, we had a piece of hardware go out, and therefore our email was offline for two days. And at first it was like really withdrawal symptoms. Where's that email? Uh, but we were more productive than those two days than we normally are. We got more done. So, uh, so I look at that, and I, and I hear a different lesson. Um, I'm a firm believer in... Practicing what we preach here, 
We definitely believe this software is a service. We definitely believe it for our customers. We also believe it for ourselves. So you moved your email server up to the cloud. Exactly. And we've had no no downtime, no incidents since then. Mm-hmm. Who's your vendor? It's Microsoft. shopping. <laughs> Microsoft. We're using Microsoft 365. Okay. And you're really happy with it? Extremely happy with it. Well, if Brad here is that it. I used to joke that uh, Outlook was Microsoft's gift to IT professionals, keep them employed forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, as it turns out, moving into the cloud makes a huge difference. Easier? Yes. There's no servers to, to maintain. There's there's um, no none of the idiosyncratic behavior that often occurs with self-hosted email. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we're probably going to be going that 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 direction. It certainly set, makes more sense to do that than to buy a new server. Exactly. And, and the buying the server is the cheap part. It's the the labor to get the thing running. And it's not, again, believing in software server, it's not a one-time incident. It's every three years you're looking at, at shopping for new new hardware. Mm-hmm. That goes away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, can you tell our audience uh, what the, your people would say are the top three things about your sales culture? That's a very good question, Mike. I, I, I'm, um, I've been accused of that a lot. <laughs> I think as far as a culture goes, it's it's first and foremost um, to be honest with, with a prospective customer and make sure that we're, we're filling filling a need. Make sure that make sure that that, that we've got a good fit. Mm-hmm. Honesty. Um, I I also think that that um, they are extremely thorough in the discovery process. They need to understand. What's going on behind the scenes? They need to understand where the customer lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, I, I, I think, and I hope they would say the same thing that it's all based on on a mutual respect. Okay, that's good. That's good. Uh, I like to examine the components for growth in a company. Uh, in your company, uh, do they center on strategy, people, or process? Or some combination of, of those three. I definitely think some combination of those three, but I would I think it all starts with people. Mm-hmm. Getting the right people on the team. That's getting the right people on the team, and keeping the right people on the team. Mm-hmm. So, what's the uh, longevity of your what turnover in your company? We have. Uh, I, I, I have to plan. Well, I mean, that is that is the issue. If you do find someone that's not a fit, I mean, I think Jack Welch probably said it best that most companies hire too quickly and, and fire too slowly. Um, while that may sound a little a little cold, it, it really is true. You've got to make sure that the people have the skills, the talent, the commitment, um, and the willingness to do the job. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had a, an incident a few years ago with an insurance company. One of my uh, San Latrain Presidents Club members. Got promoted because he was the highest producing salesperson. He gets into the job, puts his management hat on, recognizes that he has uh, an underperforming sales lady on the team, and immediately fires her. He gets a call the next day from HR that he can't fire her without giving her a warning letter and at least 90 days to correct her behavior, which turned into six months. After two months in the manager's job, and not making any progress on getting the dead weight off his team because he had others. You know what he did, Mike? I'm, I'm guessing he left. No. Nope. He said, the heck with management. 
I'm stepping back into a sales role where I can do the job, make the sales, get the commissions, and not have this aggravation. So that insurance company had set up a system which was actually counterproductive to the company's own sales. So they had to keep underproducing salespeople. Bad strategy. Very bad. And I'm, again, I'm thinking kind of a, on, on the average longevity in our company. I know it's in excess of 10 years, but I haven't really calculated what the average is. I think it's very important, particularly on the people that are customer-facing, mm-hmm. um, that there's consistency. How many people do you have in your company now? We have 11 people. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we are looking to add to our customer service staff. Customer service? Mm-hmm. Okay. So anyone that's interested in a customer service job? <laughs> that's right. Listen to the whole show back at the beginning. You'll you'll hear where Mike Lamb gives his uh, phone number. We'll look at their website, which was CincinnatiTime.com, and the phone number is 800-454-TIME-8463. Good. Uh, What are the real changes you think you need to implement to guarantee your success as a company, Mike? I I think we need to look at at a, um, a little more diversity uh, in, in terms of our revenue sources, we're, we're taking some steps to do that. We're looking at situations where we can we can provide services only and not necessarily be the product supplier, but also provide services. We're looking at areas where we can um, help out, um, obviously for a fee. Other resellers that may not have the depth that we do. Um, so we are looking at different ways we can we can bring in revenue through different streams. Any revenue streams? Are you thinking of adding other other products or services? Yeah, we're always on the lookout for complementary products that fit in both with what our customer needs are and the way we do business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you have a uh, a company goal every year? Yes. Mm-hmm. How effective has your company been at achieving the goals? I would say overall we do very well. Um, we've had some misses. We've, we've definitely, at times, seen some market condition change, conditions change that we weren't anticipating, and um, we have missed the goals because we haven't adjusted quick enough, I think. I, I really have to put that onus on us. Um, but for the most part, we do achieve our revenue goals and our retention goals. The other big goal for us as a company that's providing software as, as a service we look at very closely is the number of lives. We want to make sure that we've got a lot of people. Lives? Right. The, the amount of people that we're providing, the amount of employees that we're providing software as a service for. Mm-hmm. Has that grown every year? Every year. Mm-hmm. Are you completely out of the uh, the old software, which was a uh, piece Light, of software? Licensed software? Yeah. Uh, no, we're still, we're still doing that. Some people still have a preference for that. Um, really? Yeah, some organizations... Uh, haven't made the transition to software as a service, and we want to make sure that we're providing what the customer is wanting. Um, and in some situations, still, it, it does make sense. People that have a lot of investment in their IT infrastructure and some real good IT talent um, that, that don't need us to provide some of that, it may, in, in a given situation, be the right solution for them. Mm-hmm. In, in your... Uh in your world with uh, employee time reporting, uh, how do you compare it to other high-performing organizations? Oh, there are probably a half dozen organizations in the in the country that are that, that operate the level that we do. Um, we are what I like to call a big fish in a very small pond. 
um, the world of the valuated reseller and the and the time labor management industry is shrunk somewhat because there there have been so many acquisitions in the industry. Um, but there really are only a few leaders, and I'm, I feel very fortunate that our organization is one of them. Mm-hmm. Many things drive successful CEOs. However, we've determined that three things are extremely important. One, outlook, your core beliefs. Two, desire, your passion for success. And three, commitment, your willingness to do whatever it takes. Can you tell us a little bit more about each one of those three, outlook, desire, and commitment? On outlook, I have to say that that uh, um, one of our standards as an organization, one of the things that drives me all the time is a true passion for customer service. Um, I feel like we communicate that in all of our uh, transactions with our clients, and that's a standard that, that as an organization we live by. And the second one, Mike? Desire. No one becomes successful on their own. You have to have a lot of stakeholders. In our case, of course, it's pretty obvious. It's our customers, our employees, our vendors. Mm-hmm. That's what I feel like really drives us, is yeah. making sure those stakeholders, that their interests are represented. And commitment. I think those all, all of those are related. Um, you have to be committed to be successful to the industry, to the product or service you represent, and to your own individual success and the success of those around you. Mm-hmm. You've had a lot of people working for you over the years. Uh, have you seen any people leave your organization and become more successful on their own? I'm sure that's occurred, and I would be very happy if that's occurred. Um, but I have a tendency not to track people after they leave our organization. I want to, I'm very interested in them as individuals. I'm very interested in them as part of our organization. But I typically don't do a lot of follow-up afterwards. Okay. If you were going to give the uh, leaders uh, one tip on what to do in the next 12 months with our uncertain economy, what would you be telling them to do? Stay the course, expand, or find areas where they could contract? We recently... Um, acquired a small organization out of Virginia. We did it because I feel like this economy provides for some exceptional opportunities for those businesses that are financially strong and committed to the industries they serve. So you purchased another company? We did. We purchased the base of another company, and we're looking for other similar opportunities where we can bring the customers in in under our umbrella. Mm -hmm. What kind of uh, business was it? It was a, uh, a business similar to ours, but just quite a bit smaller. Mm-hmm. Time reporting company. Yeah, correct. We're using the same products and services that we do. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's a it's a company that we'd helped out over the years. Um, at, at times, we provided services for their clients when they were at, at a disadvantage in terms of capacity for various reasons. Um, so we were familiar with a lot of their larger clients anyway. Uh, the transition is, has gone very smoothly. And... So smooth that we we also would like to, like to do more of that. So there's other opportunities out there that we're looking at, and I think this is a great economy for acquisition for acquisitions. Yes, all up inside the same industry. I guess your your underlying supplier of the software doesn't care if that happens. Just the opposite. I think they really want to see the stronger partners get stronger. Really, mm-hmm. that's uh, quite the opposite of some other organizations where. They would prevent you from buying a, a distributor in another area. 
Did right. you keep the employees in that in that other company? Uh, actually, the employees were the owners of that company. It was a, it was a small company. Oh, it, was, really small, it, was, right? it was a husband and wife. Okay. So, so you were their exit strategy. I was their exit strategy exactly. Yeah. Okay. And you acquired them how long ago? Um, thirty days ago. Thirty days ago. First thirty days, you're happy you did it. Very, very happy I did it. Yeah. Okay. It's been it's been very smooth. Um, I think the customers are, have been very happy. Um, we've got some real nice upgrade opportunities because they didn't have access to some of the products that we do. Um, and they've got some resources that they didn't have access to before. Mm-hmm. So you're pretty positive on the forthcoming economy over the next couple of years. I am, absolutely. I, I think this is this, there are some really good opportunities out there, and I think it's uh, time to take advantage of them. Great. Mike, I want to thank you for being on the show with us here today. I'm going to be giving you a copy of uh, one of the new Sandler books, The 49 Sandler Rules. This is a book that Dave Madsen wrote, uh, and he resequences the Sandler rules into the psychological order by transactional analysis, the underlying psychological system in Sandler. You find a million dollars in there. I always give people a million dollars, help make it a million. And uh, a list of classes. Don't be a stranger. Show up at some of the classes. Uh, and management class this month is on September 11th in the afternoon. First time we've run a management class in the afternoon. We'll see if more people show up. Thank you, Mike, and thank you for this opportunity to talk with you today. Great. Thanks for being on the show. And thanks particularly for the million dollars. Okay. Scott, why don't you take it away? Thanks for listening. This program is the property of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, Inc. The show may be distributed only with written permission and then only in its entirety. If you have any questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400.